welcome to episode 282 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Let's dive in. We've been walking through a mini-series looking at the I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And if you have your Bibles, I would actually love for you to turn to John chapter 14. There's this incredible declaration that Jesus makes as he comes in into this upper room scene. And we see in chapter 13, Jesus has come into the upper room. He's washed the disciples' feet. And we know that Jesus' death is soon coming. And so as you're looking at this scene, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the fact that he's about to depart and then die, raise again, and ascend into the Father, unto the Father. So as you look at the context, the context is rather, or the tone is rather serious and sober. Here is Jesus, he's departing, and so he's encouraging his disciples. In fact, look at what John chapter 14, starting in verse 1 says, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. Jesus is encouraging his disciples. Now, just to kind of maybe ruin the moment here, I, I <laughs> the in verse two, uh, so oftentimes I think we have misunderstood what Jesus has been saying. He says in the King James, New King James, in my father's house are many mansions. And of course, you know, in my modern construct, I hear the word mansion and I'm like, yes, I get a mansion. And yet, that's actually not the concept that Jesus is talking about. Unfortunately, and I'm sorry to break this to you, uh, we do not get mansions in heaven, as far as I can tell from Scripture. The reason the King James even chose the word mansion back in the 1600s is because of the idea of that was the that was the closest idea that can come to this concept of the dwelling place. Jesus is not talking about the fact that he's going to have a mansion. For each of us, he's talking about the fact that in the Jewish culture, he was going to go to the father's house, and the concept was called an insula, that the father had this home, this kind of a compound, and that the groom was going to go to the father's house and add an extension onto the father's house. In other words, he would build a room off of the father's room, and that would be the marriage chamber and his future home as he dwelt with his father. And it's a beautiful imagery in this context because as you look at the Jewish cultural, kind of the undercurrent of chapter 13, Jesus has just proposed to his bride, the church. And he said, <clears throat> he set a goblet of wine, this drink in front of her, and she drank. And the early church is saying, yes, we are the bride of Christ. And as a good Jewish groom, Jesus goes to his father's house and prepares a place. And so 
we, we got to remove the mansion concept, I think, from our mindset, because so oftentimes it is a selfish, greedy, what can I get for myself kind of an attitude. It's like, okay, I'll come to Jesus, but what do I get? Oh, I get a mansion. Okay, I guess I'll come to Jesus. Where what Jesus is talking about is he's comforting his disciples. And he says, guys, look, look at me. I am going to go and prepare a dwelling place so that we can live in intimacy and relationship for eternity. And so out of this desperation, out of this grieving that the disciples are having, Jesus is saying, hey, don't let your heart be troubled. Hey, recognize that I'm going to prepare a place for you and we're going to live in relationship and intimacy. And then listen to what Jesus says in John 14, verse 4. He says, and where I go, you know, and the way, you know. In verse 5, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? (laughs) I, I read that and I'm like, oh, that hurts. Because if I was Jesus, I would have, I would have put my hand probably on my forehead and said, oh, Thomas, you've been with me for three years, buddy. Do you, do you not understand what this is all about? Did you not understand the way? In fact, in the Greek, Thomas's language is very sharp in the sense that he says, Jesus, we have no perception. We have no clue. The light bulb has not turned on with what you are doing. So he says, Jesus, how do we know where you are going or how can we know the way? In other words, Jesus, we've got no clue. But rather than chiding Thomas, listen to what Jesus says to him. And it's the verse that we all know very well. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And Jesus makes another grand I am statement. Jesus again says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And just quickly, I want to look at each of those three things with you because they are so rich and profound. Jesus starts and says, I am the way. When you look at the Jewish culture during the time of Jesus, it's interesting that there are a lot of people who were basically standing up and declaring that they knew the way to God. One example would be the rabbis. You know, they said that the way to God is that you had to obey the strict regulations of the law. In other words, if you keep and obey all of these commandments, and again, they had, I think it was 613 oral traditions laid on top of the law. And so, okay, well, we don't really fully understand what God's saying here in the word. So here, here is our interpretation. Here is 613 commands that you're going to have to keep if you want to know the way to God. Now, it is true. We need to obey the word of the Lord. And yet that's not, that's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, There were zealots in the time of Jesus who said that you had to grab your sword and fight your way to freedom and life. So do you know what God wants us to do? God wants us to shirk the domination of the Roman Empire. So, hey, grab your sword. That is the way that leads to God. And yet here is Jesus, and he doesn't bring up legalism. He doesn't bring up the law. He doesn't bring up, hey, grab a sword and fight. What Jesus does is he points to himself and says, hey guys, do you know what the way is? I'm it. That I'm not just 
a way to the Father. I am the only avenue to the Father. That if you want to actually have a relationship, if you want to walk in the reality of what God wants in your life, I am the sole means of bringing that about. I am the single way that brings you unto the Father. It's interesting when you look at this idea of Jesus being the way, as you walk through the book of Acts, you begin to notice that this concept of Jesus and him bringing and being the means of our salvation is the way. And I'll put a list of some of these passages in the show notes, but this idea comes up over and over and over again in the book of Acts, where they stand up and say, hey, Jesus is the way of salvation, that he is the sole means of how we find the redemption and the reality and the reconciliation and and the, the restoration of all that we desperately need in God. So much so that the early believers, even before they were called Christians, were actually called followers of the way. And I just, I love that imagery that the early believers, they were known as the, the followers or the people of the way, speaking of Christ. And then eventually that expanded to be known as the little little Christs, or in other words, Christians, which obviously was a derogatory term back in the day. But it's this beautiful, beautiful imagery that as believers, who, who are we? What are we? Well, we are followers of the way, that we are followers of Christ, that he is the way, and therefore we are the followers of that way. And again, maybe even just as a side note, Jesus isn't just merely pointing the way to salvation. He is salvation itself. In other words, he is that way. He is that means of God's salvation. In fact, his name, Jesus, means God is salvation or God saves. I love what Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says. It says, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So here is Jesus, and he's not just merely the the way to salvation. He is the way of salvation because he is our salvation itself. That he doesn't just merely point a way. He is the only means. He is the only option. He's the only pattern for living. And therefore, we must come in alignment and live according to him. Well, not only that, Jesus says that he is the truth. Not that he speaks truthful words or can point to the truth. It's not that he just has a lot of good facts and information. It's that truth has been such a part of who he is, that he embodies truth to the point where he is the message. He is that truth itself. Scripture says that God cannot lie, that there is only truth within God. And do you realize that when we say that Jesus is the truth, we're we're not saying that he's a bunch of facts and good information. We're saying that he is truth itself. That, that you could have a lot of facts and you can have a lot of details and you can have a lot of good information. And yeah, they may be truths, but the reality is 
is that the truth itself is not information or a fact. It is a person whose name is Jesus. So if you continue that thought process then, if Jesus is the truth, well, then the conclusion is anything outside of Jesus is ultimately going is go, is ultimately going to be a lie. And in other words, if he is truth, if I search for anything outside of him, though it may be factual, ultimately it is a lie because it is pulling me away from the reality of the truth itself, which is Jesus, who is the truth. In John chapter 16, I love what Jesus says to the disciples. This is right after, this is in the same discourse, but it's right after he talks about the vine and the branches. Jesus says in John 16, verse 13, listen to this. When the spirit of truth comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. And I love that idea because here is Jesus who says, I am the truth. And he talks about the fact that he's going to send forth the Holy Spirit, the comforter to dwell and live within us. And Jesus calls the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. It's the spirit of Christ. So get this, when the spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within us, well, what is he going to do? He's going to guide us into all the truth, which is Jesus. In fact, one chapter later in John 17, verse 17, Jesus is praying to the Father and he says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So you get this beautiful idea that as we come into the word of God, God is speaking only truth in our lives, that he is declaring a revelation of something. Well, what is the word of God in text declaring? What is that truth all about? Well, it's all about the truth, Jesus. And that truth is going to sanctify our lives and the Holy Spirit of truth, the spirit of Christ, who lives and dwells in you if you're a believer, is actually going to guide you. He's going to lead you into all truth, which is Jesus. That is so incredible that you don't have to be smart. You need Jesus through the spirit to guide you and lead you on to Jesus. So one of the key roles or responsibilities of the Holy Spirit is that he's going to consistently be drawing us on to Jesus Christ. That he's constantly turning our gaze to Jesus, saying, hey, he's the truth. He's the focus. He's the way. He's the centerpiece. He, hey, he, he's the goal. This is where everything is heading. He is the way and he is the truth. Which then brings us to the third idea. And again, we're just going through these really quickly. But Jesus says, I am the life. Not that he can give us life, though we do receive life from Jesus. It's that he gives us himself who becomes our life. That life itself is not something that we get. It is the person of Christ who dwells within us. Jesus, earlier in John 10, 10, this is in the context of the I am statements of he is the gate or the door and he's the great shepherd. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That when you look at this idea of life, again, Jesus is the very life of the believer. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul talks about Jesus and he says this, when Christ 
who is your life. Not that he gives you life, but that he is your life. If you look at the one of the key purposes or threads throughout all the scripture is that God is desiring to bring life to us. That, that we, because of sin, are living in a spiritual death, but Jesus doesn't merely just give us new life. He becomes our life. So you start seeing these imageries like John 15, where Jesus says, hey, and we're going to look at this in the next episode on the podcast, but he says, hey, I am the vine. You are the branch. And if you abide in me, you will have life. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You're literally cut off and you're good for nothing but the burn pile. And so if, again, get this idea. Jesus says, I am the way, that he is the sole means of salvation. He's the sole means. He's the boundary for our life, that he is the truth. And anything outside of him ultimately is going to be a lie. And he is the life, which means anything outside of Jesus is going to lead us unto death. And if you read through the book of John or the book of 1 John, one of John's emphasis over and over is his declaration that Jesus is life. He is truth. He is light. And anything outside of him is ultimately going to be a lie. It's going to lead us into darkness and death. Which really begs the question for our personal lives. Is Jesus truly our way, our truth, and our life? Because there's no other means unto the Father except through Jesus. And in our modern culture today, there are seemingly, even in the church, this nonsense where there is a myriad or a, just a countless ways that you can do whatever you want, believe however you want, and ultimately God, God, God is going to love you. He's going to let you into heaven. Folks, that's not true. There is one way, and it is a very thin, narrow way that leads to life. Well, what is that way? Jesus. That, that There's a lot of truths being spouted today. There's a lot of facts that are being declared, but there is only one truth, and it's a person. His name is Jesus. That the world is looking for life, and all they're finding is things that lead to death because the only thing that actually brings about life, the only reality of life itself is a person. His name is Jesus. Can I ask you, is Jesus truly your way, your truth, and your life? Not that you've added Jesus into your life, but have you truly centered and built your life upon Jesus Christ? I love to quote Romans eleven thirty six. Paul says, for from him and through him and to him are all things for his glory and praise alone. Do you realize that your whole life is to be focused on Jesus? That, that the way of your life is to be him? That, that if we were to cut you down the middle, that which oozes from your life, the truth that spills forth, the very life that comes out of you is supposed to be him. Have you been turning to anything in your life for truth other than Jesus? Have, have you been looking for a way of living other than Jesus? 
Have you been trying to seek satisfaction and pleasure and enjoyment and rest in anything other than Jesus? Because if so, can I encourage you to find yourself at the foot of the cross and throw yourself at his mercy and his grace and his love because he's the only means, he's the only option you and I have. And if we've been looking at anything else, we need to repent. We, we need to ask for his forgiveness and we need to diligently pursue him and him alone. We need to build our lives around and upon Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Man, I just love that concept. And I want that so much in my personal life. I don't want to be walking on any other way except Jesus. I don't want any other truth except Jesus. I don't want anything in my life that's going to pull me away from his life and his presence and his intimacy in me. And that's my prayer for you as well. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. We have one more I Am statement, which we're going to look at in the next episode And I really hope this series has been a blessing to you as we've just been freshly turning our gaze upon Jesus and learning what he said about himself through these I am statements in the book of John. And on a fun side note, if you are interested in learning how to study God's word and experience the adventure of knowing Jesus through his word as he transforms your life, well, I would encourage you to check out my brand new book, Saturation Bible Study. It's now available in paperback as well as a bundle if you're interested in like the ebook, the audiobook, the like a quick start course and a ton of bonuses. I'll put a link in the show notes. One of my passions is just to help you not just hear the word of God, but for you to experience and study the word of God yourself. And that's the passion and the burn behind me writing this book, Saturation Bible Study. So I'd love for you to grab a copy. Again, links for that will be in the show notes of this episode. Or you can just go to deeperchristian.com forward slash 282 for episode 282. So until next time, as we look at Jesus being the vine and us as the branches, know I'm cheering you on and praying for you as we build our lives around Jesus Christ.